Hello, and welcome back to Work at Life. If you are a regular listener, and if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, I am Maddie Grant, culture consultant, and my uh, firm is called Propel. And I'm here with my lovely co-host, Sonia Lacina, who is president of the Workforce Division at Question Pro and an organizational psychologist. So for those of you who don't know, Work at Life is a show for everyone, whether you're an employee or an employer who believes that work should be fulfilling and allow us to learn and grow, given that we spend so much time working. So this means that we explore a ton of different topics related to both work and life in general. But what's different is that we look at these burning issues through the lens of both the individual and the organization. And of course, we want you to leave with uh, every episode with at least one really good new idea that you can take back to your work or your life. <laughs> um, we have a really great guest for today. So Sonia, do you want to give us a little background? I would absolutely love to. Thanks, Maddie. Uh, welcome to our podcast, Julie Rada. Oh, my goodness. Um Julie is one of my absolutely favorite humans. We went to DePaul and got our PhDs in IO psychology together. And we were roommates for a couple of years. And she, <laughs> yeah, it was just like every time I think about the memories we've had, I just think how phenomenal it was being in Chicago together and how much we learned, how much fun we had. And for some reason, I always get this image of studying for our comprehensive exams with a million little like three by five cards. Oh my God, the note cards. No. <laughs> the note card. I don't know. And like, I think Love to it. me, I associated that with you because um, we've gone through so much together. And I feel like I've always learned so much from you, like as a friend, as a, like being a student together. It was like, you always brought a really fresh perspective. You always understood things really well. Oftentimes when I didn't, like, I don't know how many times you had to explain to me the difference between culture and climate, but you did every time with all the patience in the I world. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking us down the memory lane, but I think um, I've always really been impressed with your work and the way you've thought about things. And you've done some really, really cool things in your career. And so um, when we were thinking about, you know, different guests for this show, I just, it's its so wonderful to have you on. And I know today um, you're focusing on talent management and you're a leader in that area. And you've done a lot of research. You have a lot of experience in it. And when we were narrowing down the topics, there was just so much to talk about. But just today, and there's so much importance on succession planning and career development and different career paths. And so we, in all of our brainstorming, settled down on that topic. Um, and so it's just really, really wonderful to have you here, Jules. I don't know if you want to add anything about who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about before we jump into our conversation. Well, I just want to thank you for that sweet introduction. I feel the same way about you, of course, and um, you have taught me so much. And I have, I'm not surprised at all that you are now uh, running a podcast because you've always been the most articulate and eloquent speaker and have the ability to really engage with audiences. So 
And um, I will I will stay away from sharing all of the dirt around our grad school experience. <laughs> it's another um, podcast. <laughs> I know we can do a separate podcast on that yes. uh, grad school life, but um, I will share that I still have the note cards. So I had this great <gasps> aspiration that I would go back and you know reference the research. Uh, no, no. I, <laughs> I think I did for maybe a few years out of grad school, but um, but I am, as you said, kind of far from that at this point. I won't share. You know how many years we've been out of school, but no, no. Um, it's been a while. And so the last, you know, number of years, um, I've been really focused on talent management within organizations, working for large companies um, with well-known brands and companies, especially that really focus on the human side of of talent management and focused on creating more human-centric approaches to that. So I guess my personal philosophy is to. Uh, to have a very people first progressive view around the ways that we manage talent. Um, and I try to, you know, through my work, instill that in organizations and represent both, as you said, Maddie, the, the individual side as well as the organizational side, but ideally find the uh, ability to marry the two in a way that creates, you know, a lot of impact for people, but also a lot of impact for the organization. So that's really what I've been focusing on um, over the last few years. And I've moved around to a couple different companies getting kind of a broad range of industry experiences. So it's been fun for me to have, you know, do similar work, but have different experiences across different industries because every company is so different. The context is really different. And so how you approach some of these organizational problems or opportunities can be really different across different areas. Um, of industry. So uh, excited to talk to you today about, you know, how careers and succession planning and talent planning are evolving. I love it. And thank you for that. And okay. I do think it's, it, there's this like common challenge that we talked about, and there's been so much written about the great resignation or reshuffle or the great opportunity um, and all of these challenges that organizations are having. And so there's a lot of commonalities and a lot of differences maybe in some things that would work brilliantly well for one company and maybe not as well for another one, depending on industry size and many other factors. But one of the things that we know is like the more ideas people hear, the more they can think about, you know, do I try this? Do I think this is going to work for me? Not having to think about things in silos. Um, and so that's that's one of the beauties of this kind of knowledge sharing is that it allows, it arms person with more information to be able to say, you know, how do I test this inside my organization? You know, what do I, um, what do I make bets on the earliest? And so we know that like right now, the labor supplies and huge shortage, just, it fluctuates, you know, over time, but I think it's something we're going to be facing definitely for the next year, if not longer. And so as people are thinking about leaving their organizations, as they're thinking about what else do they do, um, they're really, you know, expecting things to change. They don't want to go into an organization or stay in an organization where the way they work, you know, um, where, why, how is still the same. So <clears throat> I'll kick us off with a couple of data points because that's usually the the theme of our show is we we go out and we survey a few hundred workers in the U.S. for every one of our episodes. The data is really fresh. And then we go into the topic and, and elaborate on what are some of the things that we're seeing. So one of the questions that's related to our topic today is we asked um, 300 workers in the U.S. how much they agree with the statement that they are satisfied with where they are with their career at the moment. And 
just 56% of people said that they agreed that they're satisfied. And when you think about that, like, oh my goodness, you know, half of people are not. And we continue to ask that question time and time again, because we're thinking, you know, so many people are leaving their jobs. We continue to think, you know, hear about this great resignation. Surely at some point more people are going to say they're satisfied because there's all these shifts, but these numbers have stayed pretty consistent. And I know now there's more literature coming around, like the, you know, the great regret and was the grass really greener? So maybe that's one of the explanations. But again, I think in the work that we do, we always hope that all of these big initiatives that organizations are running, that they're going to give us some better overall results. But here we are still. <laughs> so some yeah. room, room for our opportunity to improve. And then um, the second data point was um, we asked, again, workers to say mm -hmm. how much they agree with the statement that I see a path for me to advance my career at the company where I'm currently working. Um, and again, just over 50% of people said that they agree and the other half, you know, didn't. And so that is, again, part of the reason why in our discussion with Julie, we found this topic really important because it is something that is certainly possible. Like when you, when you think about as organizations, like what is in your control, what is out of your control? And a lot of times one thing that, you know, comes up a lot is pay and we don't have as much budget. And maybe if a company is not very large, they'll say, you know, these really large publicly traded companies, companies with funding, they can afford better pay. But when it comes to really like succession planning, I think that's something that's more, it's knowledge, it's effort, but it's certainly something that organizations maybe have fewer roadblocks and challenges to really pursue. Um, so Jules, I was wondering to like kick us off, like, what do you think, like, what do you see as the, the current state of succession planning around across the organizations that you talk with? Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because I think the, the whole notion of careers and what career means, um, you know, has been changing and is continuing to shift really rapidly. Um, especially over the last few years, as people are just stepping back and really evaluating what they want to do. Um, and I think people have been influenced, you know, by a lot of external movement, right, and and messaging and things, you know, um, kind of causing them to think differently about their own path. So when I think about succession planning as a process or a concept, you know, I'm starting to see big shifts in how organizations use succession planning. So the very typical old school approach is like, once a year, you know, usually the HR team gets together with the board and they talk about, it, uh, it's really a paper exercise, right? They talk about like who's on the list for succession to different executive team roles or maybe even the CEO. So typically very focused on the top of the house, um, very much an event, uh, very focused around the individuals and oftentimes really focused on more like mitigating risk versus planning for the future. So you know, how are we going to make sure if Bob uh, goes out and gets hit by a bus that we have someone who can step in and take Bob's role? Not necessarily as much about how do we envision the organization evolving into the future and how are we going to prepare our leaders for those different possibilities? So that's kind of the primary, I would say, um, shift that I'm seeing is just more around the philosophy of how succession planning is used in the context of this dynamically changing, evolving world. You know, because in the past, it was very much a governance process. Um, and, you know, I think now companies are thinking about, okay, how can we actually use this differently to be able to plan for, you know, the agility that we need for the many possible futures of where our organization may go in the future. Um, and thinking much more flexibly 
that, you know, ways that are much more adaptable to the future of the organization. So not as much about the role as it exists today, but planning for the skills and capabilities that are going to be needed in the future as we can consider the evolution of the business and the strategy. Yeah. And what are some of the ways that you think organizations can do that? Like it's because it's, that's one thing you're, you're so right. And when you think about what's a role and what is a description and what does that look like today? Like what is some of the work that you've seen, like anticipating that? Um, I mean, there are some knowns or some unknowns, but just because it's not black and white and what it's going to be like in the future, doesn't mean we don't do anything about it at all. What do you think are some ways that organizations are successfully doing it today? It's really hard, honestly. It's easier to plan for today, obviously, than it is to try to anticipate, you know, multiple possibilities in the future. So I'm seeing organizations apply more of like a business scenario planning lens to succession. So really thinking about, okay, what are the three to five possibilities in terms of the direction that our organization could go? And what would be the implications of those changes to the roles that we have in place at the most senior levels of the organization? And if we have a little bit of a picture of, you know, two to three possible scenarios for how the organization could change, then we start to say, okay, can we develop people towards those multiple possibilities um, or multiple scenarios as opposed to just trying to position somebody to backfill a role as it exists today? Um, So I think there's a piece around kind of like moving away. And I think this is also a broader trend that I'm seeing just in talent in general and HR in general is moving away from the job as like that unit um, of what we're considering and moving much more towards the skills and capabilities as a way of thinking and talking about talent and planning for talent needs. So really being much more future focused around the skill or capability profile um, before you go in to assess your internal and external successors, really thinking about how could this role change? How will the organization evolve? Not planning for today, but thinking about the future. And then I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's shifting how we think about um, readiness, right? So in the past, we used to really think about somebody's track record of roles or jobs that they've held as making them ready or not ready for future roles. And I think now we're starting to realize, like, we can't predict what the future roles will look like as well. And so we need to be looking at people's ability to, to learn, adapt, you know, be resilient through change and really their ability to work in a highly complex and ambiguous environment and be successful through that, um, despite, you know, the continued change and constant ambiguity. So it's, it's kind of shifting the mentality a little bit instead of looking at someone's past behavior and accomplishments as a predictor of the future. It's more around, um, thinking about what the future requirements are and how do we actually plan succession around that and around somebody's ability to just generally be much more highly agile and um, adaptive. And then I think the other big big shift I would call out is involving people more in the process. So succession used to be like a really kind of black box, right? And senior Mm -hmm. leadership teams would get in a room or with the board and they would talk about people and they would talk about people with those people having no knowledge of it or no input into um, what they were planning for. And so no one should be sitting in a room determining somebody's career path when you're not grounded in what that person's needs, desires, aspirations are. And we all know that that is fluid. So what somebody said they wanted six months ago, a year ago, may not be the same as what they want now. And so having those ongoing conversations around 
what your team members or direct reports want in their career and being able to effectively represent that in these conversations is really, really important. Well, it's so um, it's so interesting. I'm just thinking while you're talking that, so I work with a lot of um, much smaller organizations than yours, um, mostly in the nonprofit space, and the the concept of a culture of learning is something that's that's um, starting to to be more kind of a known thing pre-pandemic. Um, but it's very much at the lower levels of the organization, like, you know, as a, you know, young professional, you know, how can you um, talk to your manager about the skills you want to try to develop and the different interests that you have and how, the, you know, how to carve your own um, more sort of organic career path through the organization. But even then, it it stops once you become a senior executive, right? It's almost like, oh, you're now at this level. You no longer need to evolve or change or do anything <laughs> different. Yeah. You know, so that the succession piece of it at the top is the same as what you're describing. Yeah. But yeah. it's so true that those, the whole what got you here won't get you there kind of metaphor you know, that's, that's so much more true now than it's ever been because the, the world just evolves so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, at the senior levels, like that's when you, you need that feedback and you need that growth opportunity the most, and you're less, least likely to probably get it because, you know, the power differential and the dynamics at that level, like people just don't give you feedback in the same way. Um, that yeah. they would when you're more junior in your career. And if we think that's one of the primary ways that people grow, I mean, you have to really seek that out and have some trusted partners to be able to really understand how you're showing up um, at the senior levels. But it can be much harder to do when you're, you know, um, leading the organization and trying to get insight into how you're doing. Yeah. Now, that makes so much sense. And one, like, when it comes to like growth and development, like I'm, I'm kind of like shifting my mind to like internal mobility almost for employees across the organization. And so when you think about these different opportunities and movement at the, at the high levels, you have those challenges, like you were mentioning, like, Hey, somebody's talking about my future, but I'm not even a part of that conversation. What's happening? You know, <laughs> how, how is that possible? But then when you think about all the different levels of the organization too, um, one of the things that <clears throat> like, organizations are looking at a lot is like, how, how much do we invest in creating internal mobility inside of organization? Like when somebody wants to change jobs, like, do they feel like, do they think about their employer first? Do they think like, is it more automatic to think about what are the opportunities externally? And do people feel like it's actually easy for them to find like opportunities within their organization and support. So one thing is to be aware, like, Hey, I know that there's another job that could be interesting for me inside my organization. But then the second layer of that is like, do I dare apply for that? Am I really going to upset my manager? Am I going to get support? Um, so when you start to think about like that internal mobility at different levels, what are the, some of the things you've, you've seen in that area? Yeah, I know when we were prepping for this, um, we were talking a little bit about this, but I'm seeing a lot of, you know, articles and research externally, um, basically with the sentiment of people generally feel that it's easier to get a job or take an opportunity externally than it is 
um, internally within their organization. And as a talent management leader, that really hurt my heart because I, like part of my whole job is around, you know, creating visibility to opportunities internally and to make that transparent and to help provide the infrastructure and support to, to people to realize, you know, their desires and aspirations. Um, so I think that's not unique at all. Um, I think that, you know, in many cases in my experience, managers are maybe not comfortable or confident always having those conversations. I think they are concerned many times that they their team members are going to come to them and expect a very clear path. And I think just in the dynamic world that we live in, there, there just aren't the clear linear career paths as much anymore that used to exist. And so, you know, it creates a lot more ambiguity in terms of how managers can guide that progression. But um, do you think there's, I think there's also, oh, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, do you think there's also a piece of this that's about the lack of a really sort of transparent kind of system of sharing, yeah. of everybody sharing, you know, what aspirations they have and and opportunities, you know, so that people are used to kind of having these conversations more openly as opposed to just one-on-one -on -one with a direct report or a manager. Like exactly. it seems like it's a lot behind closed doors, which is why it suddenly has this like discomfort level. You know what I mean? Totally. And that is how talent management historically has been. A lot of it's been, um, you know, uh, top down, I would say, kind of like making decisions for people, top down performance reviews, top down talent reviews. Um, and and there's I'm starting to see a really big shift around employee led. So how do we then create a, a process, whether it's succession, whether it's promotion, whether it's performance, career conversations, that becomes more employee led and manager guided. And the manager still has a really strong role, but the employees coming to the table, having thought through and being able to articulate in a productive way, what are my aspirations? Where do I want to go? What do I want to learn next? Um, not framing it in the context of I'm ready for this promotion, because that's what I often see too, is like, you know, employees will say, well, I told my manager I was ready for a promotion and they didn't do anything. It's like, well, if you approach your manager saying I'm ready for a promotion, make it happen, that's probably not the best way to like enter that <laughs> conversation. So maybe think about, you know, um, doing some self-reflection and thinking about really what are your strengths? What are your opportunity areas? What are the skills that you really wanna learn? And what are some experiences you could get either in your role today or other roles or just short-term projects or anything that you could start to get exposure to those things and approach your manager from that angle versus a an entitlement to like a certain job move or role. Um, but I think there's also like really interesting tools and I'm sure you're familiar with some of these. Um, technologies that are emerging on the market that their sole purpose is to create um, internal transparency to opportunities. And so I think this helps also with DEI and, and mitigating yeah. bias in some of these processes, because it used to be a yeah. lot about who you know and kind of that networking aspect. Um, but now they're creating these tools that allow you, if, if they work well, right, to democratize opportunities and create much more transparency and openness where like anybody can raise their hand in the organization to be part of a project or part of an opportunity, but it's all based around the skills you're trying to build or what skills you can bring to that opportunity. So it sort of removes um, that black box yeah. idea, but I, you still, 
I don't believe you can remove leaders or managers fully from the process. So I think, you know, in my work, what, what I've tried to do is create a process and an accountability for leaders to have those ongoing career conversations. So there is an expectation set of, yes, in this organization, we're going to do quarterly career conversations. They are employee-led. Managers are expected to coach and guide um, those conversations. And then using technology to nudge people, because I think that creates some like pressure and accountability. Um, and also gives employees an opportunity to see their progress. And there's like a ton of research around engagement being driven by a sense of growth and progress. That's one of the most important yes. um, drivers <laughs> of engagement. And so I just love that because I'm like, if you're checking in with your manager quarterly and you're highlighting your accomplishments and you're highlighting ways that you've grown and then how you want to continue to grow over the next quarter, like that creates that very natural um, sense of progress, right? You're moving forward and you're getting that acknowledgement throughout the, the um, throughout that process. I, I will say there are still a subset of managers that don't believe it's their role to, to you know, grow their team, that don't, you know, don't make time for it. Um, and that can always be a challenge, you know, if you don't have a manager that's receptive to that. That's so sad to me. Like, why would you manage people and not care about their growth and potential? Well, I think like for better or worse, like people are going to start to self-select themselves out of being on the teams with managers, like especially as transparency grows and you look around, you're like, well, wait a minute, that team is really supported and they have great career path. And I like like what you're saying. I mean, before it was so much bottom down as far as career, like growth and development and then employee led, I think in some ways I like it because it it makes the employee feel more empowered to find their own path. It gives them the feeling of I can make things happen. Probably the beauty is somewhere in the middle, right? Like where you have that manager who really cares about you, wants to develop you, but then you also feel like you can push as, as hard as you want and be as proactive as you'd like to be able to build that path. And I think like from a psychology standpoint, like I'm thinking about managers and, you know, some of these people saying, well, my manager is not that supportive of me changing. And the tricky thing is, is like, especially when you have somebody really good, like you're torn because a part of you wants that person to grow and develop. And if it's on a different team, you wish all the best for them. But then for you, you're like, oh no, (laughs) like this person is so incredibly (laughs) valuable to me. What am I going to do? But you still, you need to do the right thing. It's just, I understand that challenge of maybe somebody initially not jumping and saying like, oh, Mary, you want to go do this? Go, go, go. Uh, But I think we need to overcome that because the truth is, is that if that person doesn't see, if they feel like they've overgrown their role or they want to try something different and they don't see the right opportunity in the organization, they will leave. And so then it's like an even, it's a loss for that team and it's the loss for an organization too. But I'm glad what you're saying about technology because I do... Um, I don't think technology fully replaces anything in life, right? Like no, we always no. need to make an effort. Uh, but there are some of these things like, and I mean, it still happens to me with my documents. That's why I laugh. Why I have like 75 tab open still because I can't remember like what I named something and I can't remember where I stored it. Sonia's tab easiest... is like a nightmare. Sonia's yeah. <laughs> tab is going to write its own book. Um, but like, that's like something like where, you know, technology has advanced so much and I'm still like, you know, struggling a little bit, but there's a lot of support there. So I think while 
organizations like rethink how to structure this and managers more and more realize like even if it's for selfish reasons why it's their role because if they don't do it their best people are going to leave and for an employee to say like oh you know I'm so tired I'm working really hard let me see what else is available wait was that on the intranet was it on LinkedIn where were those oh, I'll do it tomorrow um, and then sometimes it's a lot easier to be like oh LinkedIn let me just see you know what other positions are available out there so I think hopefully in some ways it'll be able to automate and guide some of those reminders, like organize, like ways for us to organize ourselves. But I think that conversation, that partnership and having that match of a person being really driven and their leader really wanting to help them, like that's, you want to remove as many obstacles, but that magic in a way still has to happen. Absolutely. And I think like in my experience, um, most managers do want to help. They genuinely care and they want to, but sometimes they just don't know how because mm-hmm. they, I mean, they went through their own career in a certain trajectory, right? They have that experience. But so I, you know, kind of like to guide people too around like, just know that your manager is not the end all be all of your career support. Like consider who else in the organization could help you. And even if that's a peer or it could be, you know, not your direct manager, but some other senior person in your organization, like I've literally reached out to people and said, oh, my God, I really admire your skill around presentation skills. Like, how can I learn from you? Would you be willing to um, give me some tips or tricks? Would you be willing to kind of mentor me informally around that? Because I think you're really good at the skill and people are so like flattered when you do that. Um, They appreciate that so I think you know I think if your manager is not skilled or willing to support you seek out other avenues of support for sure but don't give up on your internal organization because like there are opportunities out there for sure and I think most most leaders and managers you know want to help it's just like in the context of the business I still find that many of them think of this as like a separate thing like a separate separate from getting the work done yeah and so what we try to instill is like no Mm -hmm. how you get the work done is through growing your people you know and orienting them around the right work and having them focused and prioritized and all of those things Mm -hmm. that these these uh interactions help to promote so um, but I still find a lot of managers kind of think of the people side and then the business and those are two distinct things Oh, hopefully not for too much longer. Like if we give them the right, like to your point, if they understand how the two very much relate. And then also if we give them the right knowledge, the right tools, like I was recently talking with someone about employee experience and we talked about leaders and what's expected out of leaders today. And she said, you know, Sonia, I haven't really seen much about leader experience. Like, so now we're, I like, I called a friend of mine at work right away and I was like, I know we have to like study this and we have to like come up with like a survey and a measure because I think that there are um, really ways that people can be supported. Like you were saying before too, like sometimes it's not, sometimes people are not aware of the connection. Sometimes they really don't know. And one of the things that you were saying, like really clicked in my mind too, that um, even if you have a really good manager and they really care, it's still phenomenal. Like the example you gave that you reached out to somebody for presentation skills, like I think you can still learn a lot from connecting with others, even if you have a really good relationship with your manager, because no single person is ever going to know everything. They're not no. going to know all the opportunities, all the ways to develop you. And so I think that that's a phenomenal skill to have in life in general is connect with different people. But then if you do it inside your organization um, and you make that a practice, I think that it, it, the benefits are just like, I don't know, unlimited. 
Yeah, and that's where I think the, some of the technology coming onto the market can be helpful as well. It's like not only can it connect you to short-term project or gig opportunities that help you build skills, but also, you know, mentor opportunities for not like the old school kind of the single mentor, but more um, bite-sized mentorship. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. I want to be mentored around this specific skill or this experience how can i find somebody who's really good at that and be able to learn from them in a short term you know it could be a very short relationship um but most people are really willing to you know give their time and again are, are usually very flattered if you reach out to them so they're happy to help mm -hmm. usually so i think with that we are just about out of time um julie do you have any like just last thoughts last bits of advice you know to close out our episode today oh that's a lot of pressure to sum everything up um, <laughs> i guess for any hr professionals out there i mean i think just approaching our work in a very kind of agile and future focused ways is, is very important, increasingly important. And we all have learned that over the last few years for sure. Um, so being flexible around maybe some of the more traditional kind of HR processes and approaches um, will help us seize kind of the opportunities that are out there right now around, you know, talent retention and even attraction, right? Um, if you think yeah. about great talent looking for more opportunities, yeah. but then also think about for people, I guess, who are hungry for a new opportunity like how can you navigate maybe some of that within your own organization and um and don't assume that your manager or leader knows what you want so you know kind of try to crystallize that summarize it bring bring it forward um in a really productive way and make sure that your leaders are aware of kind of what you're hoping to um, achieve or build in your career Perfect. <laughs> so thank, again, you yeah. thank you, Jules. Thank you. No, I will, I will leave it with Jules's wisdom. I will not add, any, add anything on top of that, but thank you so much. I think that this was really useful. A lot of information for organizations to think about, a lot of information for individuals to think about, about a topic that is very much a work in progress still, I think, for everyone across the board, um, but also very important and top of mind. So thank you so much for taking the time and being Thanks our guest. It was me. so nice thank to you. have you. Great to talk to you guys. <laughs> All right. And we'll see everybody next week. Take care.